0: Me, I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart.
1: I am here as your president to proclaim before the country. And before the world, this monument will never be desecrated. These heroes will never be defaced. Their legacy will never, ever be destroyed. Their achievements will never be forgotten. And Mount Rushmore will stand forever as an eternal tribute to our forefathers and to our freedom. We are the nation that gave rise to the Wright brothers Harriet Tubman, George Patton, the great Louis Armstrong, Elvis Presley, Ella Fitzgerald. We settled the Wild West, won two world wars, landed American astronauts on the moon. I'm Centuries from now, our legacy will be the cities we built, the champions we forged, the good that we did, and the monuments we created. America's destiny is in our sights. America's heroes are embedded in our hearts. America's future is in our hands. And ladies and gentlemen, the best is yet to come.
0: All right. Welcome, everyone. Wow. It's Monday. It's the ninth. 19th of October. That number 19 is not a coincidental number. Uh, In some religions, it's considered um, a divine. I kid you not. They call it a miraculous number. But uh, let's get into a little bit of math just to talk about the number 19 just a little bit. So when you do fancy math, And you decide you want to label something as a number. You want to give it a value. Karmic debt is 19. And this is, uh, we're talking from the times of those green stones uh, that uh, uh, talked about karmic debt, uh, talked about uh, man, talked about what, uh, you know, we do and how it is. And, the hand of man, the hand of man, uh, is that of karmic debt. And did you know that your hand has 19 bones in it? Did you? It's pretty incredible. But we see that it's the karmic debt that is being cashed in against the people. This is why the wretched and the evil love it. We all have karmic debt. And in in everything, you give, you take. There's got to be a balance. Uh, so, karmic debt can be viewed as something evil, but it can be something that helps you understand. Uh, not necessarily forfeit it uh, to evil, if if that helps. So today being the 19th of October, not a bad day, um, but, you know, they love the number 19. Uh, we're 15 days away to a President Trump landslide. Now, a little bit of housekeeping. Wednesday, my show will be delayed, I believe, for about an hour. Um, so I apologize for that. And on Thursday... My little girl turns 15 and I will be visited uh, by uh, my former priest's wife and um, her two children. So I will not have a show on Thursday, but but on Friday we're going to have a double feature. Um, meaning we're going to have Friday and then I'll do a Saturday show to make that up in the morning. Uh, So I will get closer to the time of when we're doing that on Saturday. Um, uh, I'll tell you guys that on Wednesday when I'm late. So I'm going to be late because I have an appointment and I've had a pretty, pretty weird and odd weekend, but you know, he's got us all, all of us have whatever, right? (laughs) So uh, Thursday is her birthday and I'm going to spend it with her all day. I will, you know, have my morning coffee, I guess, um, on Twitter for a little bit. And um, that's about it. And then I'll shoot off uh, for the whole day uh, technology per se free. I'll probably take tons of pictures. Uh, so I just wanted to put that out there. So the 19... That number 19 is around and they love the number 13, 31, 11. They love those because those are all karmic and, um, others, um, to the depths of murky waters. So, so yesterday when I had a really bad day, don't want to get into it because you know what? Sometimes when you tell people the ups, downs of just being you and being outspoken, people fear and that's not something we should have, but, um, one thing um that uh made me smile is trying to track down all these $1 tips that I get you know from my Tory says uh website well you know they're really not $1 they're like 67 cents but still it's something right so i wanted to send them all you know just a note so not everybody um when you do it through the site sometimes it it gives like a a a printing label um sometimes and I noticed that I have um viewers and 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 readers from around the world so it was fun this morning going to the post office and sending things to India and Australia and Canada um and Switzerland um I see you uh it was it was fun because uh, you know even though I've neglected those nations because we're in elections um, we will be talking about that because I never I I, I never focus on it but one thing that I um, uh, thought about yesterday and was kind of my inspiration which made me smile is the inability for people to see just how much truth, love, and purity can break through the murkiest, the most disgusting, muddiest waters. And I say this because I was inspired um, uh, to, well, more more so geometrically. So I'm a math nerd, right? So I go with geometry, okay? And um, I thought of the lotus flower. So do you guys know... That the lotus flower is the most beautiful, the most precious, and the most amazing flower on the planet. Uh, yeah, it is. And do you know where it grows? Only in swamps. In fact, in the swampiest, in the murkiest waters, it holds roots at the bottom of the swamp and it stems out all the way through. The waters, the swamp, guys, the swamp, the dirt, the mud, the garbage, it comes out and it blooms and it is unsoiled. And at night when it's dark, it recoils and goes back underwater. And then as the sun rises, it comes back up unscathed. It's the most beautiful flower. And many, 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 many people are just like, isn't it a pity that one of the most amazing flowers in the world Grows in a swamp. And it's like, what? We should be grateful and we should be in awe that in the murkiest of waters, in the swampiest of places, love, light, purity and beauty can stem. And that is what we are going through as a people, as a people on, on this supposed round rock. Suppose I'm just saying as a people, we are going through that same rebirth, that, that coming out from the swamp. And I felt that more so when I was writing to those that are being governed by crowns. The weight of the British crown is quite heavy. It is quite heavy. And beauty and love under all that weight is suffocated, right? That's how people feel but it is not i mean if a lotus flower can come to the surface unsoiled it just shows you the beauty of redemption the beauty of coming through the rubbish and on top so i want people to understand the 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 pain or the suffering or the mishaps like i had yesterday are fine Because they give you a perspective and they show you that even in the darkest, something will come through. The sun will rise tomorrow and the flower will bloom. And so redemption is key here. Um, and I've picked a really awesome intermission song for that I found a great cover too, so that way I can put it on YouTube without getting slammed because YouTube has been wanting to remove me since i since I started boasting so um uh i you know it was it was uh, it was a great feeling to um think about the lotus flower, which for me uh for I guess two decades, I revisited every single, you know, every now and then when I'm kind of just like sitting at my desk, not looking at social media and just like, what do I want to work on now? I try to analyze the mathematics of um how it blooms and its geometry, which is perfection. And so um we're all, a lotus. I, I, humankind per se right now is that lotus flower. And w- that sun is asking it to crack through the surface and bloom. Uh, so um, we are seeing that. We are seeing that change uh, around the world. Obviously not New Zealand. I mean, it's not like they could vote. Remember, the crown dictates everything. I mean, why would you re elect that dude again, you know, and it's unfortunate, but patience, because everyone can see all of these horrific acts that are happening. Like today, I I tweeted out, could you imagine if you or I had the emails or did the things that Hunter Biden did, where would we be? right? We'd totally be locked up and they'd ask questions later. Could you imagine if it was one of President Trump's children? <laughs> he would be removed. They'd have articles of impeachment drafted like five minutes before the news broke out. Uh, kids would be arrested. People around them would be arrested. And yet nothing. Silence from the mainstream media, which tells you everything you need to know aside from the fact that I revisit even though a lot of people are the rank and file are really good people fuck them the rank and file see all of this happening the rank and file let it happen but the question that everyone should ask is I'm pretty sure that there's rank and files that think like you and I within the FBI within the intelligence community why aren't they saying anything pretty simple because if they do they end up like me, (laughs) ostracized, uh, completely painted into a corner where they believe that they control you. You know, like you'll get audited by the IRS. Uh, They'll just, you know, they'll just hunt you down and do whatever. And that shouldn't be the way things operate our whistleblowers, our people that take the oath should have a safe place to go. When people in positions of power abuse it. And unfortunately we don't have that, but I'm planning on fixing it. And I'm sure you guys are planning on fixing it. So we'll get to that after the elections. Now, Let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what's coming up uh, through these Hunter Biden, uh, you know, laptop, uh, what is, you know, coming out of whatever they're discussing. Um, we're also going to see butthurt Tarzan talking about how President Trump called out Ben Sass. Like, we've been calling out Ben Sass too. Nobody cares. Ben Sass is a loser. Even if he pulls out that fake sword, it still doesn't work. But um I think the best person to hear about swampy behavior right now is our president, where he talked about Schiff and how Schiff is now trying to pull the Russia Russia, oh those emails came from Russia. Shut up, Schiff. Just shut up. Here's the president talking about it. Um and he made a pretty, pretty stellar argument, I think. <laughs> it was it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. So take a listen to this um, and listen to our president uh, put it into perspective. fact
1: that we caught him in a total corrupt deal, they won't let the news get out.
2: We know that this whole uh, smear on Joe Biden uh, comes from the Kremlin. Uh, that's been clear for well over a year now that they've been pushing this uh, false narrative about the vice president and his son.
3: Those are two contrasting views of the Hunter Biden business saga. Now the FBI, we're told, has seized the laptop that is said to be central to it. It's an unverified New York Post story about Biden and his alleged business dealings overseas. The agency investigating whether or not the emails purportedly contained on that laptop could be linked to a foreign intelligence operation, specifically Russia. The owner of the shop in Delaware, where the computer was allegedly left for repairs, tells Fox News that he, quote, can't be 100 percent sure that it was Hunter Biden who did drop it off for repairs. John Bussey, associate editor of The Wall Street Journal and Fox's contributor, uh, joins us now. So the president, as we heard, and his allies, they've been slamming Hunter and his father. The former vice president, though, calls this story, uh, like we heard from Adam Schiff, quote, a smear campaign. John, did Hunter Biden do anything wrong? Did Hunter Biden, as far as we know publicly, violate U.S. law? Uh, no, uh he might have had a bad
4: bit of judgment taking a job uh, with a foreign uh company at the time that is bad uh, his judgment father was vice president. Wait, uh kind of bad judgment wait, the
0: optics of it. wait, bad judgment shut the front door. Excuse me, uh no. It was well planned. This is how you sell out a nation.
4: Aren't you know particularly good, but this latest story, um, I think that y- you framed it just right, uh, Eric. It's an unverified story. The New York Post has printed this story. Everybody else has chased it, has not been able to verify the emails. The shop owner is changing his story. Uh, the 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 material was provided to the New York Post in part through uh, Rudy Giuliani, who's been out looking for uh, you know dirt on the Bidens and uh, the president the washington post and the new york times have written stories about the fact that the president was warned that uh operatives in ukraine with connections to russian intelligence were feeding information to giuliani and that he should be careful about any information that he got from mr giuliani as a result of the russian interference uh and apparently the president in the summertime shrugged off the, the the warning so you know, is this just another disinformation campaign by the Russians, you know, meant to sully the Bidens a few weeks before the election? Uh, you know, lots of eyebrows are up o- over this one, uh, Eric.
3: Yeah, uh, let me focus in on, uh, you know, Mayor Giuliani says uh, that there's a 50-50 chance, according to the Daily Beast, that the, uh, his contact, who he's been working with, that uh, Ukrainian lawmaker, is a Russian spy. Here's what the AP says about him. Andrei Durkach says, quote, uh, Andrei Durkach, a, a Ukrainian parliamentarian who is one of Giuliani's principal contacts, was mentioned in an August intelligence assessment that described a concerted Russian effort to, to disparage Biden. A Treasury Department sanctioned announcement from last month characterized Durkach as an active Russian agent for over a decade. Here's the former mayor on Friday uh, talking about all this.
5: First of all, they never warned me that, of that. And I'm an American citizen. One would think if I were dealing with some kind of a agent of this and that, someone would have warned me. No one did. Uh, I have never heard of that before. (laughs) I I think this may be another one of our, you know, intelligence things like holding Brennan.
0: So how do we know? Yeah, we need to cut that off, like holding Brennan accountable. But let's cut that off. Can't have too much truth out here. Listen, Hunter Biden had bad judgment, but but. Don Jr., who was in a meeting in the Trump Tower because someone came to offer them some really damning information during opposition research was a crime, right? We had to get Loretta Lynch to get a pen register. She just tapped Manafort's phone while he was sitting in the room and they listened to everything. They have the recordings, yet they made it into something else. Oh, and did I mention that, the bad decision of meeting with this chick who was Russian was disallowed to enter the country. But Loretta Lynch made sure to override her 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 um, banning from being, you know, she had a she had she was barred by Homeland Security to enter the United States. But Loretta Lynch personally overturned that for this meeting at the Trump Tower with Don Jr the president's son and at that time was candidate Trump right but it wasn't bad judgment for him right taking a meeting but it was bad ju- it was a crime for Don Jr but for Hunter Biden to take 1.5 billion and share that information with his dad and do all these things against the nation with the permission of his dad because his son was taking the money for the dad that's what sucks the most right um it was bad judgment according to so it's not it's a nothing burger it was just bad judgment you know he's a drug addict bad judgment 1.5 billion dollars bad judgment
3: what you know if any of this is true how do we know what's actually on the laptop how do we know if uh, as it is alleged uh, you know that the family is as the mayor the former mayor alleges the family's funneling money to Big Joe, and it's all some type of, uh, you know, payoff operation. A couple of weeks before an election. Uh, And uh, keep
4: that in mind. This is the sort of thing that can happen. Uh, And again, the national security advisor to the president warned him that Russian operatives were feeding information to Mr. Giuliani. So,
0: Russian operatives were feeding him information. I don't care if they were Martian, Polish, Ghanaian, Nigerian. I don't care where the information comes from. The fact is it's legit information of money laundering, selling your country out and using your position as vice president to make yourself rich. It was kind of like that post. Oh, wait, let me find that reporter. Was he a Snopes reporter? I forgot. There was this one clown who wrote, actually, that's not, oh, Mike McIntyre. Okay, so um, he's an investigative. (laughs) Okay, let's take out the investigative. Let's just say he's a, Parrot reporter, right? He just regurgitates for the New York Times, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, that's not Biden's house; it's a money pit he bought in 1975 for 185 thousand dollars and spent 21 years renovating it. That's because Eric Trump tweeted the salary of a U.S. senator is 174 thousand per year. This is Joe Biden's house; seems legit. And the guy was like, "I wrote about it," and I was like, "Well, did you write about Joe Biden's submarine island that flanks Epstein's island?" Did you write about that? Because I don't know a lot of senators that make 174000 a year that can buy themselves a submarine island. Oh, but, you know, facts and all. We can't talk about that at all. This is where you can see them doing damage control. Even Fox News did. They don't want to talk about Brennan. Everyone sees Brennan on TV, and they're like, oh, he's going to get it. Dude, he was like one of the masterminds. He's not getting away with shit. Him and Clapper, you're going to see them perp. I'm telling you that. Telling you that. So I don't care if they say it's Russian. It's this. Look at the guy's face on freeze. Come on, really? Can you trust a face like that? I wouldn't. I'm just saying. Psychonomy gets in.
4: You know, this is one story. It hasn't been verified by anybody else. It might be, as an old boss of mine used to refer to it as a permanent exclusive. I mean, we'll we'll have to we'll have to see. Uh, Vice President Biden has said that, you know, the story is false uh, and the election moves on. And I think at the end of the day, Eric, that.
0: Derp, he actually didn't. He didn't come out and say those aren't his emails because that's a lie. And if he says that, that's where, you know, forensics happen. The question that we should all have is, if this is all out there, what is the FBI doing? Doom spies. What is the FBI doing? Doom spies. What is the FBI doing? Is the question. Because now we come down to, holy crap, if Joe Biden made bank on Ukraine and China, you know, it's like... Uh oh! You can't be on the ballot. Then that means what? Does that mean that all the mail-in ballots are now invalid and everybody has to go and vote in person? Remember, remember the fifth of November. That this is again a couple of weeks
4: before the election, when you know roughly 20 million Americans have already voted. You know, hundreds of thousands of more are voting as we speak uh, over the next few days in advance of the election. And the coronavirus is by far the biggest issue uh, on the table. This is kind of feels like a deflection, uh, you know, an effort to deflect attention from the mismanagement of the coronavirus. The fact that cases are going up dramatically again across the country. Hospitalizations are going up. The economy is back on its heels. People are out of jobs.
0: Yeah, it's flu season. Kids go back to school they bring all the creepy yuckies uh to the house and uh you know that's kind of normal hold on let's remind ourselves of adam schiff who's such a such a great source and he he's so good at what he does i want to remind us i've played this before a couple years ago on my show check this out here we go
6: yes of course
4: great thank you
6: hi how are you Hello, Mr. Schiff. Thank you for your time.
2: Uh, thank you, Chairman. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to
6: speak with you. I know that you work for investigation regarding Trump and Russian government. Yes. We know some important information about it. Uh, and that uh,
2: that uh, is documented as well in materials you want to provide to us?
6: Yes. Could I explain you where we are?
2: Yes, of course. But, you know, again, I would just caution that... Uh, uh, Our Russian friends may be listening to the conversation, so I wouldn't share anything over the phone that you don't want them to hear.
6: No, I don't think that it will impact on our investigation. Yes. Well, please, go ahead then. In November 2013, Mr. Trump visited Moscow. He visited competition Miss Universe, and there he met with Russian journalist and celebrity Xenia Sovchak.
2: Uh, and uh, I'm sorry, can you explain that again? While he was in Moscow in November 2013, he met with a, a journalist and, and...
6: Well, she's poor journalist. But anyway, uh, she became famous because of uh, Putin is her godfather. Okay, Putin is godfather. Okay. She also known as a person who provides uh, uh, girls for escort for oligarchs. And she met with Trump and she brought him one Our Russian girl, celebrity, Olga Buzova, who also known as a person with a strange reputation. Olga, and, and how do you spell her name? Olga Buzova. Buzova.
2: Um, so yes. Olga Buzova is a uh, friend of the, uh, the reporter Sovchek.
6: Yes, she's a friend of a reporter and, I think, the special agent of Russian Secret Service, Ksenia Sovchak. Um, that Sovchak is or Olga is? No, Sovchak is Ksenia.
2: Okay, and Sobusova met with Trump uh, in in uh, New York at some point after the 2013 Miss Universe uh, yes.
6: pageant. Absolutely, and she got uh, compromising materials on Trump after their uh, short relations.
2: Okay, and and what's the nature of the compromise?
6: Well, there were pictures of naked Trump. Okay, and so Putin was made aware
2: uh, of the the availability of the compromising material.
6: Yes, of course, uh, Buzova shared those materials with uh, Sobchak, and Sobchak shares those materials with uh, Putin, because she's a goddaughter of Putin, and Putin decided to press on Trump. Um, And
2: uh, and the materials that you can provide to the committee or to the FBI, uh, would they corroborate this allegation?
6: Sure, of course. Uh, when they were in Ukraine, we got their conversation by the phone where they discussed those uh, compromising materials. We are ready to provide it to FBI.
2: So you, you have recordings of both Sovchek and Buseva uh, where they're discussing the compromising material on uh, Mr. Trump?
6: Absolutely. And uh, we also know who was a mediator between Trump and Russian government who met with the uh, ex-advisor of Trump, uh, Mr. Flynn. It was the Russian singer, very famous singer, Arkady Ukupnik, who met with Mr. Flynn on Brighton Beach in Brooklyn in a special uh, Russian cafe, Langeron. What's the name of the cafe? Uh, uh, Langeron. Langeron? Yes, it's an, on the Brighton Beach. Okay, and it's uh, a special. When, it's a Russian district in uh, Brooklyn. And do you know what was discussed? They discussed many things, but the most interesting thing is they use a special. They use a special password uh, before before their meetings. When they met each other, they said, "Weather is good on Zhiribasovskaya." Weather it rains is good. Yeah, and where? Weather is good on Jeribasovskaya there is a name of a street in Odessa Did you did you hear
2: Yes I did uh, so it's a street in, in Odessa uh, yes. and the, the code word is weather is good on Jeribasovskaya Jeribasovskaya
6: Jeribasovskaya okay.
2: okay and I'll have my staff follow up to get spellings and and more details on yes
6: that. and the second part of their best word was uh, it rains again on Brighton Beach it rains again on Brighton Beach yes on that meeting Koopnik told Flynn that uh, all those compromising materials will never be released if uh, Trump will cancel all Russian sanctions
2: okay, um, well obviously we would uh, welcome a chance to get copies of those recordings. Um so we will try to work with the FBI to figure out uh along with your staff how we can obtain copies of those.
6: Of course, we will provide you all our copies of all our materials, but I also would like to let you know that Subchak and Buzova will pretty soon visit our country and we could read them and deliver them to your embassy and you also could we also could extradite them to your country and you can put them to your special jail, Guantanamo?
2: Um, well, I'll be in touch with the FBI about this, and uh, and we'll make arrangements with your staff. I think it probably would be best to provide uh, these materials uh, to uh, both our committee and to the FBI. Um, and so we'll make arrangements uh, uh, between my staff and yours uh, on how to facilitate that. And uh, we'll also obviously let, let the FBI know about uh, Buseva and Sovchak's planned travel to Ukraine.
6: I also advise you to check all Sovchak's uh, visits in the U.S. because she, were, she was in, U- in the U.S. very often and so just to check what she did there, actually. And I also would like to look at uh, Russian cafe in Bri- on Brighton Beach, Langeron and especially on their head of Russian mafia, Uncle Misha. Uncle
2: Misha? And yes. And he's in Brighton Beach?
6: Yes, he's the head of uh, Russian Mafia, and he's located on, uh, re- on that uh, restaurant on, on Brighton Beach. Okay. I just want to advise you just to uh, look at them, please. All
2: righty. Uh, good, this is uh, very helpful. I appreciate it. Anything else you wanted to, uh, to add today?
6: Well I hope that my information will, will be useful for you and your committee and I also would like to advise you when you or your colleagues will meet mr. Trump I advise you to tell him a uh, first part of the password on the weather is good on Deribasovsky and look how his uh, face will change the color
2: uh, and, and so that that uh, those uh, passwords were used with uh, with mr. Trump
6: Yes, correct.
2: Um, okay. Well, uh, thank you very much. We will be back in touch uh, with you through our staff uh, to make uh, arrangements uh, to obtain these materials for our committee and, and for the FBI. And, and I appreciate you reaching out to us.
6: Well, let's be in touch, and I will wait for your response from FBI.
2: Excellent. I'll, I'll have them follow up uh, as soon as possible. And I thank you again. Bye. Thank you. Bye.
0: Okay, guys. So we played this about a year ago and, you know, just to show how, you know, we caught, we could hear him feverishly scribbling down on the paper. Oh my gosh. I got him. I got him. And you know what? It reminds me every single time. My most favorite prank, telephone prank in the world. And I want to share it with you. Like I still. Hat, I, You know, it's like an inside joke between, uh, you know, my kids and myself when we talk about RCA. So I'm going to play this prank for you. It was one of my favorite prank. I don't know if you guys know this, but it was like one of my favorite pranks. Listen to this.
5: Thank you for calling, Bernie. I need to talk to someone. VCR help me program VCR. Okay. One minute,
7: please.
5: Oh, it's funny. I'm going to help you. Yeah, I cannot program VCR. It's very difficult to have the blinking light on there. The blinking light? He's a VCR. He's plugged in. He's got a blinking light. He's blinking 12. Blinking 12? The clock. Okay. The clock is blinking. Okay. Hold on. The clock is blinking. Hold on a moment. Hello? Hello? Yeah. Yeah. What's, pro- what's the problem? I can't program VCR. He's a. I have pre VCR plugged in. He's a blinking, uh, the clock is blinking 12 all the time. Do you know what model number the VCR is? No, I don't know the VCR model number. I can't see it anywhere. Hold on. Hello? How I get blinking light to stop on VCR? The clock keep blinking light. On the remote control, you have a program button. Program button? Yep. I press button. And the clock is still blinking. Okay. No. No, 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 no. Is it hooked up to your TV? You hook up to the television set, a cable in the back. Okay, when you press the program, are you looking at it now as we're speaking? Yeah, it's watching on TV. It's a screen. Uh, are you, and you're looking at it right now? Yeah. So okay, on... good. Press the program button. What does it say? Program button. On the remote control. Point it at the VCR. and What does it say? Oh, it's a menu. Okay, good. Good. What does it say in the menu? Read it to me. It says uh, shrimp sushi, a butterfly tempura, and a thimble full of sake. <laughs> I pray to one. it's not breaking right. It keeps breaking the clock. I gotta bring it. Meaning, come on in a half hour. RCA means a really crappy appliance. Well, RCA
2: makes a good appliance. You're though, not
5: a good appliance. Listen to me, Round Eye. It's not working. You gotta come over here. And show me how to work it. Come over to your house and show you how to work it. I try to sell. I do what I do. with this American piece of crap. I go. Hey, hey now like, take hey, it take easy on the hey, piece of crap. hey, go so, hey, ahead. Yeah, <laughs> <on>, <laughs> Uh Oh, Crocky's still drinking. Yeah, well, it's amazing after what you just did to it. I would recommend you stop beating on the machine. What's your name? I'm Larry. Larry? Yes. You caught on a phony, phone a prank call. <laughs> How sweet is that, huh?
0: It was here. Okay. So now, from now on, now that I've shared with you my favorite of all time prank calls, you'll remember that the Tory says show is at 12.00 time. Okay. It's 12.00 o'clock. 12.00 time. That's what he kept saying. That is one of my <laughs> favorite things ever. And so, um, yeah, you know, round eye, so awesome. Um, RCA, that's awesome. That's like an inside joke with my girls. It's a 12.00 time. So um, so yeah, I'll see you at 12-0 time Every day, Monday through Friday uh, So I, I just wanted to show uh, Compare and contrast uh, Two pranks One of them was feverishly writing it down You could hear like the passwords are so weird Let me tell you what Adam Schiff was thinking Wait a minute, so did they use the password with Trump? I could picture him telling him the password And watching his face Oh, you know what it means And it rains on Brighton Beach Tell me, tell me I'm just saying So this is the comedy behind everything. Please, guys, look at it as comedy. I know it's it's have you ever been in a situation where you're so pissed off and, you know, shit's just happening that you have to laugh. So so I was in a predicament like that yesterday. I kid you not. I felt like I was in one of those Chinese telenovelas. Right. So I'm you know, I'll just say I stood there and I was like, what? This is terrible. Like I was devastated. I was like ready to start crying and everything. And the minute I just look up and I'm like, oh, really? This too? It starts to rain. It started to rain. And it's like, and the minute it started to rain and it didn't just like rain, it like rain, rain, rain. I was like looking, at I was like, are you serious? Like for real? At that point I had a laugh. Okay. I had to laugh because it was such a devastating, uh, you know, situation in that moment that I was just like, this can't get any worse. <laughs> like, um, dude, where's my car? And it's, and I look up and I'm like sitting there and I'm just like, Oh, you know how you just look up and you're just like heads thrown back and you're like, Oh, and suddenly it's, you get like this drop of water in your face. You're like shot. Up. This is not happening. This is just no. So all you can do at that point is laugh. So I want you guys to see the severity of things, but learn to find the humor in it. Because these people were so desperate back then that they were listening to these prank callers feverishly. <laughs> I could picture him, Imagine <laughs> he was imagining. Oh my gosh. I'm going to ask president Trump <laughs> question. Hey, <laughs> what's the way <laughs> could you picture it? I'm just saying, see, this is how we should take all this stuff. Okay. Because it's, it's really dirty. Their game is so dirty you have to laugh. You could be like, dude, I could see you coming from a mile away. Like, stop. Just like we could see the media coming from a mile away. Oh yeah. It was just bad, <laughs> bad judgment of under- <laughs> 1.5 billion. <laughs> bad judgment. <Shit." laughs> so next time we do that, we'll be like, yeah, it's was just totally bad judgment. And say <laughs> you can't even say it with a straight face. I'm just saying, um, you know, the fact when he was talking, right. And, <laughs> And he was scribbling. Look, we played this two years ago on the Tory says show. Um, and that was when he was talking Russia, Russia, Russia. And I just wanted to throw some, you know, slap wind on him. But I wanted you guys to see the humor in these things, even though they're extremely serious. We should always take them as serious. But listen to the seriousness of this Wall Street journalist, right? Wall Street. This street, <laughs> this street wall. Oh my gosh. I can't even, I mean, I'm listening to, to bussy mm, say things. Look at his face. He's like trying to be serious that this is all, you know, yeah, he said it's not true. No, he didn't you know if this is tory snopes he did not he knows better than that he just like we're not talking about that because if he did then we'd uh, pull out the email tracing and everything you can paint it as a conspiracy but all you do is enrage people more and this is making it great for us to win 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 win
4: worried about their kids health going to school those are the issues that are foremost in the electorate's mind and something about Ukraine written about one newspaper that nobody else has been able to verify, I think it just kind of uh I think it recedes. Uh and you probably after the election you probably don't hear anything
3: about it. Yeah. Uh well, you know, I think the the, the Republicans may try to keep it going. But I mean this also raises another issue on presidential families. I mean, remember Billy
0: Billy. Well, the Republicans might keep it going. It's your f- ooh, it's your job. His glasses suck. It's his job to keep it going. He's supposed to be reporting the news. Again, yesterday, to those of us that watched the movie Doe, totally loved that movie um, because it actually helped you understand how much it all makes sense to you. And, you know, the whole white rabbit thing and the experimentation, that was the purpose of that viewing of the movie. But what I said was, what we need to do is stop listening to this media. See, this media gets funded by like who's on their advertisement. They got Merrill Lynch, right, which is not FDIC insured, by the way, and all these other big pharma companies and everything. Stop. They have interest. They 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 line the pockets of these politicians they're protecting. So here's what we do. We're the news now. We give money to those that will give us the news. We will make our own network. We will have our own newspaper and we won't listen to them. We won't watch them. We won't pay attention to them. We will ignore them because they are funded by interest. This is why, you know, I get so many great um, people, even patriots that were like, yeah, I want to sponsor your show. And it's like, dude, you know, I really want to, I can advertise your product. I'll advertise the crap out of veterans businesses. You don't need to pay me for it. I don't want to take advertising money because then even though if you're a veteran owned company, you're an amazing person, you know, I'll put your ad on my website, no problem. But uh, you know, I don't want sponsorship because then I'm bought regardless if it's a good place right? I am 100% people and self-funded means I got no other interests but the people. Could you imagine if we had our own TV news station, our own station, where we are the ones contributing it. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to give $10 to the Real News Network every month. Minute Real News Network starts doing fake news network, that $10 stops real news network doesn't have money so real news network will get back onto the real news network do you see what i'm trying to say this is what we need to do we can't have this bs yeah you know the republicans are going to push it dude you're supposed to be pushing it you're a journalist where are you are you researching this freaking clowns billy
3: beer billy carter and he was allegedly paid two million dollars by the libyans and, you know, it is said that Ivanka has uh, trademarks in China. Kushner Company, Jared Kushner's uh, family real estate firm uh, bailed out a $1.3 billion mortgage, partly funded, they say, by uh, the Qatari Investment Group. So, I mean, what does this say about presidential families? Should Are there any restrictions? And, of course, this all happened allegedly before, uh, you know, I mean, the Vice President Biden was the vice president, but not the president. I mean, how, what do you do with your family? We all got, what do you, what do do with your families? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that,
4: that's, that's the question. And I think, you know, families could be a huge asset to a candidate and they could be, they could be a problem, uh, also. I mean, the president's, you know, family and kids doing business, uh, while the president, uh, is president and Ivanka getting trademarks in China. Uh, you know, this is all, you know, problematic for a president. I think the bigger issue here, Eric, that's going to come out of this and it's, you know, it's part of a larger conversation. This is just one tiny chapter in a larger conversation is how does social media deal with these issues that they feel they have to insert themselves into because they are concerned the information is false and they don't want false information circulated on the web. Mm. So they uh, hitch it up and they try to uh, instigate efforts to keep it from being circulated. And
0: they don't want fake information to be circulating. How do you know it's fake if you haven't seen it? Oh, you don't. You're just saying it's fake because it's not, uh, you know, in your interest. We don't, we don't like this. So we're not going to, you know, all right, guys. So I mean, what, what can we do? Like I said, we're just going to change everything. That's what we do. We're in control, not them. Now, uh, I wanted to end uh, a little bit with um, <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to I wanted to I will put on a little bit of Tarzan because you need to hear about um, what Tarzan had to say about Ben Sass and, you know, President Trump and, uh, you know, this is this is this is hilarious. This is comedy. Take a listen.
8: With millions of ballots already cast, Donald Trump and Joe Biden square off this week in the final presidential debate. Joining us now, Trump campaign senior advisor, Jason Miller. Jason, I want to start with the president's comments last night in Michigan about that state's governor, Gretchen Whitmer. Here they are.
1: You got to get your governor to open up your state, okay? <laughs>
8: Whitmer, who was the target of an alleged plot to kidnap her, tweeted, this is exactly the rhetoric that has put me, my family and other government officials lives in danger. Jason, does the president have any regrets about what he said about Governor Whitmer and then joining the crowd and chanting
9: locker up?
10: No, not at all. I think the fact of the matter is that many residents of Michigan are pretty frustrated with the governor. They want to see the state open back up. And we were pretty swift to condemn the anarchist, uh, the radical that was released by the Democratic governor of Delaware, who was threatening Governor Whitmer. I think that was reprehensible. That was terrible. And I'm glad that President Trump's DOJ was able to get these uh, psychopaths and put them away. But the fact of the matter is. People in Michigan want to get their state open back up. They feel that it's been way too heavy of a hand. It's hurting their economy. And Chris, folks who have a salary can sit back and work out of their basement and say, you know what, I can telecommute. But guess what? The hourly wage earners, they can't do that. They got to get back to work to support their families.
8: All right. Let's talk about COVID-19. More than 8 million people in this country now have the coronavirus. They're
0: damn Damn you, Tarzan. Can you shut up already? Okay. So (laughs) the locker up, right? And open your states up. So this morning I read a tweet by a woman named um, Kathy Ann Jones. Her handle is American Woman for Q. She said, fake news has kept me or anyone else in my family from hugging my daddy in the nursing home. We have to visit him in a box uh, six feet back on a bench through plexiglass, having to scream for him to hear us. He's a veteran and alone, a prisoner in a box. Please help us in Tennessee. I tweeted out to Marsha Blackburn that this this really has to end, because the lady then posted, you know, a FaceTime call which he had with his family, um, you know, that the nursing home did so he could calm down. This is unacceptable. Human beings long for touch and affection. It's actual science. Um, Hormones of love uh, only get expressed when we're in proximity. This is why we have this feeling of in love and the butterflies in our stomach. When you're coming close to kissing someone or hugging someone, you get this nice warm feeling because. Remember, the largest organ in our body is our skin and touch and affection and just proximity with other human beings is so important. I mean, don't they say that when a mother gives birth, the first thing they do is put the child on um their bodies, skin to skin contact. Do you remember the baby that had passed away and the mom refused and held the baby close to her chest and then it came back to life? These are miracles because our connections, our chemical communication between cell to cell communication happens like that. Um, even your cell to another person's cell, uh, pheromones, for example, is one that everybody knows, right? So, uh, touch is a really important thing. I mean, for me, some people, <laughs> I'm a touchy person. I touch people, um, and I, I do do that. Some people get freaked out. I'm okay with it. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm I am a touchy person. Um, I like to hug someone, touch them. It's, it's terrible. I can't imagine the torture of seven months not being able to hug your child, uh, your, your wife, your, your, your grandkids. Uh, the fact that you can't feel them is just disgusting. And it, it, it is so painful. And here we have Tarzan telling us eight million people now have the, gro- dude, everybody gets the flu. 100%. Shut up. I'm tired of this. I'm so tired of their scheme of how it was. I mean, come on, their manifesto is sitting in South Africa where they outline this where they told you what they're going to do. They told you how they're going to monitor you. They told you how they're going to keep you in check. It's all documented from years ago, lockstep, the whole nine yards. We knew this was coming. And a lot of us can sit there, and I've seen many people get angry. Why didn't President Trump just tell us it's old? Who would believe him when you've got the whole world saying that it's real? No one. So, what we need to do is use something that was intended for evil and turn it into good. Isolation, these masks, making us non persons. It's torture, torture for human beings, complete torture. Now, I know we don't like Tarzan, but we need to listen to what these corrupt people say, because as you hear it and you comprehend what they are telling you, you can then clearly see truth and fiction just from the way that they're posing things, just like the Wall Street Journal guy was like, "Yeah, Hunter under Biden made some, you know, you made some bad decisions. Oh, shit. It's like, come on
8: have been 220,000 deaths, I believe it was on Friday, 70,000 new cases, which raises the question, why does the president continue to hold these rallies where thousands of people are packed together, the vast majority of them without masks, and the president says this to them?
1: I'll walk in there, I'll kiss everyone in that audience. Yes, I'll kiss the guys and the beautiful women and give us uh, kisses. Everybody, I'll just
0: give you a big fat kiss. Yes, I want all those kisses. Why doesn't
8: the president follow his administration's own guidelines at his rallies?
10: Well, Chris, as you know, we do pass out masks at the rallies, and I encourage everyone who's attending a Trump rally to put the mask on. They're not not just giving it to you for Christmas tree decorations later on. We also check folks' temperatures, and we remind people to wash their hands. We give them hand sanitizer. Uh, but look, as we get close to the election, people don't want to be living in fear again in their basements. We're going to be strong. We're going to be safe, but we're not going to be scared here, Chris. And especially as we get closer, I mean, I, I don't see quite the protest from the media side when we see marches on Washington or BLM protests or things of that nature. So if the president wants to have a peaceful protest and have his people get together, then let's do it safely. Let's have some fun. And Chris, I wish you'd shown the clip of the president dancing to YMCA. I think that's uh, become a pretty big hit out on the campaign trail.
8: You guys have put that out already. And, you know, I get to ask. The yeah, I don't want to show. On the clips. But let me ask you about this. This issue. Good of job, masks. Jason. He, because you, you say, well, you hand out the mask. But the president sends a very mixed message about the idea of wearing masks. I want to show what he said this week and then show what the his own administration's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Fauci, said. Take a look.
1: Look, you have on the masks, you know, you have two stories. You have a story where they want, a story where they don't want. So we need to put that nonsense behind us
4: about, well, they keep changing their minds. Masks work. Physical distancing works. Avoiding crowds work.
8: (laughs) Jason, does the president really think there are two sides to this argument, that there are two sides to whether or not it's safer to wear masks?
10: Well, Chris, have you seen, the president has encouraged people to wear masks. He's put that out on Twitter. We've seen him uh, when he's going to Walter Reed Hospital, a number of other places wearing a mask, when he's touring a lab, when he's not able to socially distance. But the fact of the matter is masks on their own, while very, very important, are not the cure-all. So for example, you take someone like President Trump, who frequently the people around him uh, will have their masks on, they'll be tested, and some.
0: They still get sick. Now, since Tarzan didn't want to show just how cute our president is, which, by the way, remember, I've always talked about how President Trump is consistent, right? He's super consistent, even in the way he dances. So let's show how our president has uh, taken uh, TikTok by storm (laughs) and did his dance. And he's been dancing like this for decades. Take a listen. Here we go. Whoa, it's not on, is it? Let me there we go. We need to listen to it. How awesome is he? How cute is he, too? I mean, come on, who didn't smile watching him dance? He was getting down. And um there's TikTok videos out showing it. Now, we're going into an intermission, so I want to share with you a cover of a song very um, very dear and very pertinent to today. Here we go.
11: shape myself into your
1: pocket, invisible, do what you want, do what you want, I was shrink I will disappear, I will slip into the groove and cut me
12: out, and cut me out,
1: There's an empty space inside my heart, but we
11: stayed So now I set you free. I set you free. There's an empty space inside my heart, but we stayed So now I set you free. I set you free.
1: Slowly we offer as light as flowers,
11: cause all I want is to move upon and stay. Just to see what is, just to see what is. I can't make your happy just to feed you fast, ballooning head. Listen to your
1: eyes. We will shrink and be quite as much While the cat is away Do what we want Do what we want
0: Empty space inside my heart, but we So now I set you free, I set you free. Cause all I want is the moon upon a stage. Just to see what
11: is just to see what ends. Oh, Lord is for the latest flowers tomorrow Slowly we, we unfold as lotus as
1: flowers because all I want is to move upon us death. I dance around a the darkness,
11: darkness is beneath. beneath. I can't kick your habit just to feel your fast, looting head. Listen to your eyes. eyes.
0: That was a Radiohead cover. Oops. I absolutely adore uh, the lyrics to it. And I hope that that inspires people to understand, um, you know, how beauty, truth, love, light and rebirth comes from the deepest and murkiest waters. Now, one question is, why don't they want to show President Trump dancing? Cause he's pretty spiffy and you know, for a tall guy, <laughs> he's such a dork, but yep. Brennan's probably a good perp dancer too. Fun story on that. So we were once at a function and uh, a song came on uh, and it's a song that you all know. It is a song. Uh, you know what? I'm going to keep that for another time. It's not the time, but it'll soon be the time. It's one of Brennan's favorite songs. That's the only time I actually saw him attempt to dance. <laughs> the only time I've seen him attempt to dance. So I wanted you guys to um, listen to the reporting of The Five. This, uh, Well, no, it was uh, Fox and Friends this morning on what, the, what D&I Ratcliffe said about Hunter Biden's laptop. Just a short one-minute clip. Just take a listen to this.
12: Hunter Biden email thing, kind of an October surprise. Uh, The director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, in the last half hour said that uh, the Hunter Biden laptop emails, not part of some Russian disinformation campaign, because that's what we've heard uh, people in the mainstream media say, you know, it's all we've got to investigate if there are ties to Russia. He says there are not.
10: Yeah, this was a direct response to that uh, great font of uh, truth and wisdom, Adam Schiff, who over the weekend said, quote, we know, we know, he said that this came from Russia. No, we don't know that. In fact, uh, every bit of evidence suggests that this is a, you know, a laptop. Yeah, the Russians several years ago thought ahead and said, let's have somebody drop off something that looks like Hunter Biden's laptop at a Delaware repair <laughs> shop. Right. Let's let's plan that because two years from now or a year and a half from now, we're going to need to have this pop up in the last month of the campaign. I I don't think so, Mr. Schiff. I really don't.
0: Well, yeah, of course, we're going to make it pop up at the end of the campaign. Oh, shit. Uh, you know what? A lot can happen in 15 seconds. A lot can happen in 15 minutes. Oh, hell, a lot can happen in 15 hours. Now, a lot can happen in 15 days. Keep that in mind. I mean, your life can change from one minute to the next. Do you think in 15 days, uh, there isn't more? Here is Maria Bartiromo hammering and asking, Our DNI Ratcliffe about Hunter Biden's emails. Take a listen to this. Director
11: of National Intelligence, John Ratcliffe. Director, it's great to have you this morning. Thank you so much for being here.
13: Good morning, Maria. Good to be with you.
11: I want to start on the validity of all of this because we have been doing a deep dive into this laptop and these emails, which indicate uh, Hunter Biden was cashing in on his father's position. Adam Schiff from the chairman of the Intel Committee is out and about this weekend on Sunday morning shows saying all of this news is just Russian disinformation and it's not true. You are the director of (laughs) national (laughs) intelligence. You see more intelligence than anybody in the country other than the president of the United States. So you can tell us what's real and what's fake.
0: Let's just look at D.N.I. Ratcliffe's face right now. Totally looks like he's like, oh, come on, hurry up. Just finish your damn sentence. I want to say he's like laughing. Look at him. Just his face tells you everything you need to know. Look at her face. Look at his face. Sometimes you don't even need to hear it.
11: Is this Russian disinformation, director?
13: So, Maria, it's funny that uh, some of the people that complain the most about uh, intelligence being politicized are the ones politicizing intelligence. And unfortunately, in this case, Uh, It is Adam Schiff, the chairman of the House Intelligence uh, Committee, who, uh, as you pointed out on Friday, said that the intelligence community believes that Hunter Biden's laptop and the emails on it are are part of some Russian disinformation campaign. Let me be clear. The intelligence community doesn't believe that uh, because there's no intelligence that supports that. And we have shared no intelligence with Chairman Schiff or any other member of Congress that Hunter Biden's laptop is part of some Russian disinformation campaign. It's simply not true.
0: Okay. So we all know that Schiff can't be trusted with Russian sources. I reminded you guys something that we played before um, on uh, my show with the pranksters and him feverishly writing and envisioning how he's going to tell the password to President Trump and catch his reaction and his change of color in front of the camera. But let's travel back in time. uh, And obviously, you also heard him say, what's the compromise? Flexing his whole uh, Russian skills, his rushki knowledge. Well, just so you know, Adam Schiff propelled into the political stage as a U.S. attorney, a prosecutor, attorney, you name it. He's done it. He's worn that hat. He's also been to the farm. But the question that you should ask yourself is what made him Schiff, Schiff? Well, I'll tell you what made Schiff, Schiff, okay? So back in the day, there was this guy who they wanted to grab as this FBI agent as a double agent. So they took him to trial and they failed. Then they took him to trial again and they failed again to prove that he was a Russian double agent. You know, that he was an American that was double agenting for the Russians. Well... I mean, I, I always thought that in our nation, you can't be tried for the same crime twice. Well, this guy, third time's a charm because Schiff was on it. And Schiff used this incredible witness that was part of a drug cartel. Uh, she was involved in <laughs> seriously, no joke. And so he got him and he got him convicted of being a double Russian agent. I just thought I'd remind you that that is how Schiff got onto the intelligence community with it. What's the compromise? So I thought I would uh, give you that refresher on Schiff's history. That was um, right after his farm stint.
13: And this is exactly what I said I would stop when I became the director of national intelligence. And that's people using the intelligence community to leverage some political narrative. And in this case, apparently Chairman Schiff wants anything against his preferred political candidate, to be deemed as not real and is using the intelligence community or attempting to use the intelligence community to say there's nothing to see here. Um, Don't drag the intelligence community into this. Hunter Biden's laptop is not part of some Russian disinformation campaign, and I think it's clear that the American people know that. The intelligence community has not been involved with Hunter Biden's laptop. Hunter Biden is a U.S. person, and he would be subject to any investigation regarding fraud or corruption would be Uh, rightfully, uh, the jurisdiction of the FBI. So the FBI has had possession of this. What I can say, without commenting on any investigation that they may have into corruption or fraud, is to say that their investigation does not center around Russian disinformation and the intelligence community is playing no role with respect to that.
0: Wait, let's stop for a second. Thank God for Millie Weaver reminding me this. So you guys, I'm going to resurrect most of them, but some of them I have. I had written a whole thing in 2019 about these magical blimps. Funny story. Um, I think it was like last week, Phoebe was like, Mom, what is that big balloon thing that's flying? It has like little people. She was pointing at a Goodyear blimp in the sky. And, um, remember I had done a lot of shows also on eager Pasternak. I wrote a lot of articles pointing to how they were laundering money in these blimps, you know, where he got paid 75 million to just think about blimps, you know, think about it. He wasn't told he needs to provide a prototype. He just needs to imagine blimps and in, in the, like legit, we paid him 75 million federal tax dollars to think about Blimps, this Ukrainian guy, right? Who's in Schiff's district, right? Who threw a big party and fundraiser for Schiff. I have the invitation and everything. He did it at his house. You know, this guy that has a warehouse that's a closet. He also has a, a hangar because he, this, uh, foreign national was able to rent and then buy hangars from a former uh now closed down Air Force but u s air Force pretty interesting, pretty interesting stuff. anyway, if you look at one of those sketches <laughs> of his magic incognito spy surveillance blimps, he had elephants in it, and it's like what? I didn't know we used elephants to transport things to war with elephants, but anyway, he got paid in total close to a billion dollars to think about blimps, to draw blimps, and they're supposed to be spy blimps, Igor Pasternak. And I have tons of articles about that and how there was a airship caucus in Illinois. (laughs) I am not joking. Where all they did, they had this caucus about, yeah, stealth blimps. There we go, that's it. Stealthy blimps, stealthy blimps, right? And how he's making all these blimps and then when the, you know, he's been a blimp ma- maker since 1994, also helped facilitate during the Clinton administration, the Ukrainian treaty. Well, <laughs> But you know, he's a nobody, right? Uh, where, you know, we, we signed this treaty and we started giving money to Ukraine. But anyway, um, so once the blimp kind of went, then this blimp maker who only makes blimps, dreams of blimps, does blimps, decides I can make M16s too. So then we throw tons of money, federal tax dollars, hundreds of millions of federal tax dollars for a guy that's been making blimps since 1994 to make M-16 weapons for the Ukrainians. Turns out the M-16s that they wanted to do were kind of like AK-47s, but they weren't. They weren't taking bullets of M-16s or they were refabricating them. It's like all bizarre. One is this, one is that. I mean, in the end, they took all this money and the weapons wouldn't work. So it was really weird. So again, if we actually dig down to it, that's theft. Taxpayer theft. But who's t- who's counting, right? Who's got ca- I'm counting? Because this is the stuff we need to demand back. This is where we confiscate every single penny these freaking clowns own and fatten our coffers because they stole it and gave it away. Damn, somebody give me $75 million to dream about blimps. I can draw you the best damn blimp you want in my mind since you don't even need it on paper. All I have to do is think about it. This is, yeah, this is it. I want my blimp money back. You know what? Maybe we, you know, after the elections, we should start individual petitions and that should be the first one. We want our blimp money back. That's it. They took all our money and gave it for blimps that don't exist, right? For blimps, I kid. There's like a drawing with elephants in it and 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 tanks, and it's like, guys, tell me, tell me. <laughs> I know we have a cavalry division that's down in Fort Hood, right? <laughs> do we have an elephant division? Cause it's like, I remember seeing that picture and I was like, what the, like who, (laughs) who draws stuff for the department of defense and draws freaking elephants. I'm sorry. Next to tanks and horses, Uh, elephants, Uh, elephants. All right. So I just thought I'd mention, you know, Schiff and his love affair with Ukraine and their money. And, you know, this mysterious blimp money that went away and, and Russia and how great he is, is ascertaining when he's being pranked or not.
11: So what are we supposed to do here? Adam Schiff calling it Russia disinformation two weeks before an election so that people are under the impression that this is not real. So is Adam Schiff lying to the American people? This is an elected official.
13: Yeah. So, Maria, what we do is we tell the truth. And and, and my role Uh, as the director of national intelligence, is to not allow people to leverage the intelligence community for a political narrative that's not true. And in this case, um, Adam Schiff uh, saying that this is part of some Russian disinformation campaign and that the IC has assessed that or believes that is simply not true. So I appreciate the opportunity to be able to tell the American people that that's the case. And I'll continue to do that, whether it's Republicans or Democrats. If they try and leverage the intelligence community for political gain, I won't allow it.
11: Well, I mean, what do we know? I mean, the FBI has been sitting on this for a year, Director Radcliffe. Why didn't the FBI raise this issue while President Trump was being impeached? If they had this information since November, December of 2019, two months later, uh, February 16th was uh, January 16th, rather, was the impeachment trial, which went all the way until February 5th. No mention from the FBI what they were sitting on. And the impeachment trial was all about President Trump's phone call with the head of Ukraine. Wouldn't that have been the opportunity for the FBI to say, hold on, we have this and we're investigating it?
13: I think so, Maria. Um, You know, from my perspective, you remember during the impeachment, I was a member of Congress at the time. And I would remind everyone that, that during that time, the first administration to express concern about Hunter Biden and his relationship with Burisma and what was going on in the Ukraine was the Obama administration. It wasn't the Trump administration. And that was raised, uh, during the impeachment trial. But again, that would be, those are fair questions for the FBI. And I heard Senator Johnson's, um, concerns about that. And the FBI should be providing that information to him and other members of Congress and to the American people to the extent it's not related to an investigation. But again, to underscore the first point that I made, this has nothing to do with the intelligence community or Russian disinformation. If it was, I would know that. Um, So to be clear, it's not.
11: But this is the same situation that we faced around the uh, narrative that President Trump colluded with Russia. And you were the congressman investigating much of this during 2018 and 2019. You joined me on my program many times asking the FBI to release documents. They didn't. They sat on documents. So people did not really understand. It took you coming out just a few weeks ago and declassifying handwritten notes that John Brennan wrote, which indicated Hillary Clinton had the idea to tie President Trump to Russia and the
0: FBI. Well, we already knew that. Hold on. There's some breaking news. The DOJ is holding a conference. I just wanted it to go on for like two minutes before we started. Let's take a listen to it. Uh, it's happening live now. We're about... Um, Two minute a minute behind. Here we go.
14: In North Korea. Each of these cases charged significant and malicious conduct that we have called out in part to reinforce norms of responsible nation state behavior in cyberspace. But as this case shows, no country has weaponized its cyber capabilities as maliciously and irresponsibly as Russia wantonly causing unprecedented collateral damage to pursue small tactical advantages and fits of spite. Defendants in this case were all members of the military unit 74455 of the Russian Main Intelligence Directorate, known as the GRU. The department previously charged members of this same unit, also known to cybersecurity researchers, as the Sandworm Team for their role in Russia's efforts to interfere with the 2016 US elections. We make no election interference allegations here. Rather, today's charges illustrate how Unit 74455's election activities were, were but one part of the work of a persistent, sophisticated hacking group busy sabotaging perceived enemies or detractors of the Russian Federation regardless of the consequences to innocent bystanders or their destabilizing effect. Six current and former officers in Unit 74455 are accused of the following disruptive and destructive attacks alleged in the indictment. In December of 2015 and 2016, the conspirators launched destructive malware attacks against the electric power grid in the Ukraine. These were the first reported destructive malware attacks against the control systems of civilian critical infrastructure. These attacks turned out the lights and turned off the heat in the middle of the Eastern European winter as the lives of hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian men, women, and children went dark and cold. From there, the conspirators' destructive path, still putatively aimed at the Ukraine, widened to encompass virtually the whole world. In what is commonly referred to as the most destructive and costly cyber attack ever, the conspirators unleashed the NotPetya malware. Although it masqueraded as ransomware designed to extort money, this was a false flag. The conspirators designed the malware to spread with devastating and indiscriminate alacrity, bringing down entire networks in seconds and searching for remote computer connections through which to attack additional innocent victims, all without hope of recovery or repair. The entirely foreseeable result was that the worm quickly spread globally, shutting down companies and inflicting immense financial harm. This irresponsible conduct impaired the ability of companies in critical sectors, such as transportation and healthcare, to provide services to the public not only in the Ukraine, but as far away as Western Pennsylvania. As alleged, for just three US-related victims, three of at least hundreds of victims worldwide, the damages exceeded $1 billion. Rather than express remorse for the damage they inflicted against victims worldwide, the conspirators callously celebrated their success. Next, the conspirators turned their sights on the Winter Olympics, a forum where the international community, despite recurring conflict, comes together to celebrate the common pursuit of physical prowess and mental toughness. The conspirators, feeling the embarrassment of international penalties related to Russia's state-sponsored doping program, that is, cheating, took it upon themselves to undermine the games. Their cyber attack combined the emotional maturity of a petulant child with the resources of a nation-state. They conducted spearfishing campaigns against South Korea, the host of the Winter Games, as well as the International Olympic Committee, Olympic partners, and athletes. Then, during the opening ceremony, they launched the Olympic destroyer malware, which deleted data from thousands of computers supporting the games, rendering them inoperable. Although the conspirators took steps to pin the Olympic destroyer attack on North Korea, this second false flag attempt failed. Cybersecurity researchers ultimately attributed the the attack to the sandworm team, as do we today. These destructive and disruptive malware attacks and related preparations were not the conspirators' only malicious conduct alleged in the indictment. The conspirators also supported hack and leak operations in the days leading up to the 2017 French elections. And the conspirators continued their disrupting attacks as recently as October 19th, targeting government and non-government websites in the country of Georgia. Today's allegations in their entirety provide a useful lens for evaluating Russia's offer two weeks ago for a reset in cyber relations between the Russia and the United States. Russia is certainly right that technologically sophisticated nations that aspire to lead have a special responsibility to secure the world order and contribute to widely accepted norms, peace, and security. That's what we're doing here today. But this indictment lays bare Russia's use of its cyber capabilities to destabilize and interfere with the domestic political and economic systems of other countries, thus providing a cold reminder of why its proposal is nothing more than dishonest rhetoric and cynical and cheap propaganda. Before I wrap up my remarks, I'd like to thank the team of prosecutors and FBI agents whose diligence and perseverance has led to these charges and to the kind of evidence that we can use to prove these charges in open court. I'd like to express the department's appreciation for assistance from the private sector, such as Cisco's TALUS Intelligence Group, Facebook, Google, and Twitter in investigating and disrupting this cyber threat. We also appreciate the hard work and dedication of our foreign law enforcement and intelligence partners in countries including the Ukraine, Georgia, South Korea, the United Kingdom, and New Zealand, who have also pursued these conspirators after attacks and intrusions within their own countries or otherwise assisted in our investigation. All these partnerships send a clear message that responsible nations and the private sector are prepared to work together to defend against and disrupt significant cyber threats. Now I'll turn the podium over to the U.S. Attorney from the Western District of Pennsylvania to go over the charges in more detail. Scott.
15: Thank you, John. Good afternoon. I'm Scott Brady. I'm the U.S. Attorney for the Western District of Pennsylvania. Today, my colleagues and I are pleased to announce that a federal grand jury in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, returned a seven-count indictment charging six Russian military intelligence officers for their roles in some of the most destructive, most costly, and most egregious cyber attacks ever known. The defendants were all officers within Military Unit 74455 of the Russia Main Intelligence Directorate, also known as the GRU. Unit 74455 is well known to the Department of Justice and to the FBI for, among other things, its role in Russia's efforts to interfere in the 2016 U.S. elections, portions of which were initially investigated by the Western District of Pennsylvania with our partners from the National Security Division and the FBI's Pittsburgh Field Office. The indictment unsealed today reveals the Russian government's global campaign of disruption, interference, and destabilization against strategic adversaries across three continents. As outlined by AAG Demers, the crimes committed by these defendants and unit 74455 are truly breathtaking in their scope, scale, and impact. AAG Demers spoke to the broader geopolitical implications of the GRU's campaign. I wanna speak for a moment about the victims in this case. While the alleged perpetrators of these crimes were Russian government officials, the victims who suffered real harm as a result of these crimes were often ordinary citizens and businesses around the world. These are citizens and businesses that rely on such things as electricity for warmth during a cold Ukrainian winter, a reliable banking system as a foundation for a stable economy, untainted elections free from interference by foreign adversaries, the opportunity to participate in a traditionally non political event like the Olympics and access to fundamentally sound hospitals for life-saving medical care, to name just a few. The devastating crimes allegedly committed by these defendants and Unit 74455 co-conspirators harmed ordinary people around the world, including in my district in Western Pennsylvania. As a result of the NotPetya malware attack, Heritage Valley Health Systems, which provides healthcare to tens of thousands in Western Pennsylvania, lost access to their mission-critical computer systems, such as those used for cardiology, nuclear medicine, radiology, and surgery. Their hard drives at 80 medical facilities were encrypted, workstations were locked, patient lists, medical patient history, examination files, and laboratory records were inaccessible. While Heritage Valley spent more than $2 million responding to and recovering from the attack, the disruption of critical health care to patients cannot be quantified monetarily. Additionally, a FedEx subsidiary spent approximately $400 million responding to and recovering from NotPetya attack on its computer systems. And a large U.S. pharmaceutical manufacturer spent in excess of $500 million. And these are just three of the hundreds of victims of NotPetya worldwide. These are not acts of traditional spying against governments. Instead, these are crimes. Crimes committed by Russian government officials against real victims who suffered real harm. My colleagues and I on this stage have an obligation to hold accountable those who commit crimes, no matter where they reside and no matter for whom they work, in an effort to seek justice on behalf of the victims of these crimes. We talk briefly about the charges in the seven count indictment. The defendants are charged in count one with engaging in an ongoing and wide ranging conspiracy to hack into computers, steal information such as network credentials, and cause significant damage to the networks through the de- deployment of malicious code, otherwise known as malware. The defendants are charged account count two with conspiracy to commit wire fraud. This offense consists of conspiring to use stolen authentication credentials to gain access to and move laterally within victims' networks, as well as the transmission of spear phishing emails designed to deceive the victim into clicking on a malicious link or attachment to gain unauthorized access to victims' computer networks. Counts three and four charge the defendants with substantive counts of wire fraud associated with the transmission of the NotPetya malware through the computer systems of Heritage Valley Health Systems in the Western District of Pennsylvania, using stolen authentication credentials to move to other parts of the network. Count five charges the defendants with a substantive count of computer fraud relating to the transmission of the NotPetya malware on the Heritage Valley Health System computer network and causing damage to that network. Finally, count six and seven charged the defendants with aggravated identity theft. That means they Ill- illegally obtained identifying information, including usernames and passwords, used by real persons and exploited it to further their hacking activity. All of the countries named in the indictment share the ideals of a free society based on national sovereignty Ordered liberty, the rule of law, and free and fair elections. For these reasons, they also share a common threat Russia, a country that will stop at nothing to destroy those ideals and instill a sense of instability in its adversaries. The indictment unsealed today was only made possible by the willingness of countries to come together and share information and evidence associated with these attacks. In the Western District of Pennsylvania in conjunction with our partners at NSD and FBI, we continue to develop this new paradigm involving unprecedented levels of collaboration with our foreign law enforcement partners in the ongoing fight against cybercrime, whether committed by transnational organized crime groups or nation state groups such as the Russian GRU. In closing, I wanna thank the assistant US attorneys from my office and the trial attorneys from the National Security Division for their incredible work on this case. We in the Western District of Pennsylvania value the long and trusted working relationship with NSD under AAG Demur's leadership. I also want to thank all the agents from the FBI's Pittsburgh, Oklahoma, and Atlanta field offices, the FBI legal attache offices around the world who contributed to this investigation, FBI cyber division at FBI headquarters, and the assistance we received from our foreign partners, from victims, and from those in cybersecurity private industry. Now, I will turn the podium over to FBI Deputy Director David Bowditch.
16: Good afternoon. We're here to turn a spotlight on the numerous destructive cyber attacks which are perpetrated by the GRU, which, as you've heard, is, Russia, is the Russian military's intelligence agency. This activity went well beyond traditional intelligence collection. The GRU targeted the global energy sector, the international political groups, hospitals, and even the Olympics. Time and again, Russia has made it clear they will not abide by accepted norms, and instead, they intend to continue their destructive and destabilizing cyber behavior. Of course, this threat is not new. We've been fighting the cyber threat for years now, addressing hacked after hack, as our adversaries continue to escalate their crimes and use their capabilities, not just to gather intelligence, but also to disrupt, degrade, and destroy. We investigate one major hack only to uncover another one. We are particularly concerned when nation state adversaries target our critical infrastructure and our intellectual property, both here at home and abroad. These actors we're talking about today are alleged to have developed and deployed the NotPetya destructive malware, which wreaked havoc across the entire globe. NotPetya is considered one of the most destructive cyber attacks ever. Victims included, a hospital in Pennsylvania as you've heard already. The cyber attack crippled that hospital's operations. I'll not repeat what the US attorney went through earlier, but in the end, as he mentioned, that included more than 2 million dollars in damages to a hospital in the state of Pennsylvania. The indictment also alleges this group was responsible for the Olympics, the Olympic destroyer malware. Which knocked the official 2018 Winter Olympics website offline and prohibited attendi- attendees from even being able to gain their event tickets. These: act-
0: How coincidental that they're talking about Olympics today? Um, let me just make sure. Um, I think it's today that it's, if I remember correctly, the first um, Olympics. Let me, let me find it. Um, the Olympics held in 1896 in Greece. Uh, it was today. Right. Um, well, it says that it was held it was it was told today in 1895 that in 1896 they were going to be holding the first Summer Olympics. It was the first officially known Games of the Olympiad. Um, and today it was announced in 1895 that they were going to be doing it in the summer, which was in April of 1896. And we're talking Olympics. Very interesting.
16: Actors conducted these brazen attacks from the safety of their own country, but that does not mean that we should not and will not pursue them and hold them accountable. Whether you're a cyber criminal turning profit from hacking or a Russian military intelligence officer who is intent on taking down infrastructure, these attacks will not be tolerated. We will continue to work in tandem with our partners to impose risks and consequences on these actors however we can, whether it's through indictments or other means. In this case, we brought the investigative resources and expertise of three different field offices, as you heard earlier, the Pittsburgh field office of the FBI, the Atlanta field office of the FBI, and the Oklahoma City field office of the FBI. We brought them all together to attribute these attacks to the GRU. We also want to thank the nation's tech giants, which includes Google, Cisco, Facebook, and Twitter, for all stepping up and helping us with this investigation. (laughs) This is more common that we work hand-in-hand with our private sector partners today than ever before. We're going to continue to work together with our partners, both at home and abroad, in law enforcement and in the private sector, to stop brazen cybercrime and hold these people accountable. One thing I do want to uh, take time to do is thank uh, the FBI agents and analysts and those employees that worked very diligently on this investigation. I also wanna take the time to thank all the Assistant United States Attorneys. And from a headquarters perspective, the uh, Department of Justice here and the FBI headquarters cyber division personnel who worked very tirelessly on this investigation. These investigations, as I've mentioned before, they are arduous and they take diligence and they take tenacity to get them over the finish line. We're not yet there, but we are to the point of indictment, and that's why we're here today. The cyber threat continues to be daunting, but when we bring the right people, the right tools, and the right authorities, our adversaries we believe, are no match to what we can accomplish together.
0: Why can't we deal with the adversaries within our borders? Damn it. This is so onerous, so onerous. We're going after the Russians because they did what? I mean, okay, so let's break this down. They attacked the critical infrastructure of the Ukrainian government, right? Um, Their power grid. Uh, and, uh, the ministry of finance there and the state treasury service. (laughs) I'm not going to say it. You guys know what I think about that one. I'm not going to say it. Then they were the ones that were, um, related to leaking, um, information in, uh, regards to the En Marche, right? In France, uh, Previous to the elections, election meddling, you know, all the yellow vests, you know, leaking that information to them. Then they were responsible in June of 2017 for destructive malware that infected hospitals and medical facilities like the Heritage Valley Health System in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Federal Express, TNT Express. Oh, you mean like... um. Mail companies, okay. Pharmaceutical manufacturer, okay. And they suffered a billion dollars in losses that they just got from insurance companies. Let's help them. That's 2017. All this stuff happened 2015, 2016 in regards to Ukraine, right? Uh, attacking their power grid, their Ministry of Finance, State Treasury Service, where they got all these documents and leaked them, right and then the bad Russians went and leaked information to the yellow vest bad and then they also went to the Heritage Valley Health System. Have you looked into what the Heritage Valley Health System does? You should. Uh, leaking information there uh, with FedEx and TNT Express. I wonder if those are the ones that they used to send, no, I don't know, pharmaceuticals. And that was a billion-dollar loss. And what else they did, right? Between December of 2017 through February of 2018, anyone... Uh, Uh, That was, you know, using um, applications about the Olympics that are happening in China and all that stuff uh, that was from South Korea. They targeted them. Wasn't that around the time that President Trump was traveling around? I'm just. I'm just trying to remember. And then between December 2017 and February 2018, you know, after President Trump signed that thing saying we're confiscating anybody that's corrupt in a public official or diddling with kids or anything, we're taking your stuff. Right. Um, there were mobile applications. um that were infected and uh, you know um, in regards to the Olympics committee uh, again uh, during that period of time again with the Chinese Olympics um, the, on February 9 2018 there was a malware attack against their opening ceremony and Russia just had to destroy the Olympics and then there were the investigations about Novichok's poisoning and there were campaigns that were targeting, uh, you know, areas like, I don't know, the Crown's uh, Chemical Weapons Organization and their Defense Science um, Laboratory uh, that were looking into the nerve agent that was responsible for poisoning Sergey um, and other UK citizens. You know, the, the, the Russians that were telling on the Chinese and Five Eyes that were poisoned first. So the Russians hacked the scientific, organizations of the crown to find out about this poison that supposedly also poisoned you know that poison novichok and then we had georgia remember georgia where Yovanovitch had rented an apartment when she was ambassador in Georgia and ISIS fighters were, you know, and Al Qaeda people were living in. Yeah. So there was a hack there, too, um, you know, with a campaign where they targeted a big mainstream media company. Right. Um, You know, to compromise Georgia's parliament, you know, when. ISIS then was caught in Ukraine after that. Yeah, they were. Yeah, you know, big heads. So it's like super weird, the news that they're giving us, which isn't really news. And this all happened like two years ago. And they're pointing out that these six Russian people did all this evil stuff, like leak stuff, and tried to sabotage the Olympic Games and find out how the crown just assumed and knew the potent agent of this poison that killed someone. I mean, if you knew, if you were Russia and you poison people, right, then you would know your poison. You wouldn't hack them to find out what the poison is. I mean, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just saying. So let's see what else this gentleman has to tell us.
16: I'd like to introduce our special agent in charge of our Pittsburgh office, Mike Chrisman.
12: Good afternoon. Again, my name is Mike Chrisman. I'm the special agent in charge of the FBI Pittsburgh office. I know you've heard a lot about this investigation already and the great work being done by our international partners and our private sector partners. I wanted to echo those same set sentiments. I also wanted to thank the Department of Justice National Security Division and U.S. Attorney Scott Brady and his team in the Western District of Pennsylvania. U.S. Attorney Brady and his team have been proactive in adopting a global approach to take down cyber criminal networks whose impact extends well beyond Pittsburgh and across the globe for that matter. I would also like to thank FBI headquarters and the role the FBI Pittsburgh division played in the investigation and commend the Atlanta and Oklahoma City FBI offices for their work. Multiple field offices, multiple investigations coming together to form a joint coherent strategy. This investigation is Team FBI at its best. It displayed the exceptional talent and dedication of our teams in Pittsburgh, Atlanta, and Oklahoma City, who worked seamlessly and spent years tracking these members of the GRU. I can't say enough about the work of these three offices, agents in Pittsburgh utilizing cutting-edge investigative techniques and analytics to secure the charges that we're discussing here today, charges that were made possible by leveraging the tremendous experience and expertise of agents in Atlanta regarding energy and the NotPetya attacks as well as the expertise of agents in Oklahoma City regarding Russian GRU actors. The GRU is a persistent adversary, actively engaging in espionage and destructive attacks. These cyber attacks are unmatched in their destructive manner and disregard for public safety and innocent victims. In fact, NotPetya was the most destructive cyber attack in history, with approximately 10 billion in damages and over 300 victims worldwide. This case demonstrates what's possible when international, private sector, and law enforcement partners all work together. Together, we are uniquely positioned to identify criminal actors and overcome obstacles posed by borders and boundaries. Going forward, the FBI will continue coordinated efforts and commit to combating these threats through enhanced global partnerships, intelligence dissemination, and shared expertise and resources. Thank you.
2: Uh, thank you. Mr. Demers, can you tell me about the timing of this news conference today? These attacks have long been attributed to the GRU. So does, is there a significance to the timing of these charges coming just two weeks before the U.S. presidential election?
14: No, n- not particularly in that Regard, uh, you know, we undertake these investigations, as the uh, deputy director said, they take quite some time. As you can see from these posters, we don't attribute them to countries or military intelligence units. We attribute them to individuals in those countries. And when the investigation uh, it has matured and we're ready according to the the principles of federal prosecution, then we bring the cases. that ninety six is currently in custody. And I apologize if i if I missed discussion of that earlier. And can you, and and this might be for you, Mr. Demers, or somebody else, talk a little bit about the legal framework that allows the Justice Department to bring charges against uh, hacks that are on non-American targets? Well, what we're charging is a conspiracy. Uh, That conspiracy uh, conducted a series of computer intrusions that harmed American victims and American companies. And then as part of that conspiracy, we can charge uh, overt acts of that conspiracy that also uh, were targeted and affect people in other countries.
10: Yeah, thank you for doing this. Um, I just
14: wanted to ask about a component of this news that was talked about by British colleagues who mentioned that the 2021 Summer Games was also being targeted by the attackers. I didn't notice that in the indictment, and I wanted to know if Justice Department was aware of this targeting. That's more recent. Thank you. Well, I think at this press conference, we're going to stick to what we've charged, which is you know back into the in, into the Winter Games, and we'll take them as they come.
3: Next question
11: from Jake Gibson from Fox.
14: Hello, can you hear me? Yes. All right. Sorry. Um, so,
4: is there any? Uh, evidence I know it probably is not part of this indictment but I figured I should ask anyway do you have any evidence about the GRU actively trying to um, to hack or to uh, you know negative actions towards the 2020 American elections
14: well that you know as, as you said that's not part of this indictment uh, with respect to the elections that are coming up you know, we haven't seen anything that uh, caused us to question what we've, I think, repeatedly said and what the intelligence community has repeatedly said, that Americans should be confident that a vote uh, cast for their candidate will be counted for that candidate.
11: Next question is Andy with
14: CBS. Hi, thanks
2: for the question. Um, going off what uh, was just asked, actually, um... A lot of computer, private industry computer folks talk about Sandworm, um, which is this unit, being a big concern coming up on this election in the U.S. And I'm wondering, um, I know, what John, I heard what you just said, obviously, but is there any evidence or have you guys taken any action against Sandworm or related groups um, in the last
14: few weeks or months? Well, I'm not going to go uh, beyond what I just said in that regard. Thanks, though.
11: Our last question will be from Tim Starks with CyberScoop.
14: Is this
7: is anywhere in the 50-page indictment? Still working my way, way through it, but can you talk about what Facebook and Twitter did to help with this?
14: I don't know if they uh, want to do that, or
0: yeah, tell us how they helped.
14: I'll take it. Listen, we're not going to get
16: into specifics of what the uh, companies do. Uh, to help us. Um, Sorry, we're not going to get into specifics of what the companies do to help us. Uh, I I will simply leave it at they did help us uh, in a very significant manner, uh, which we are fortunate enough to enjoy uh, that partnership in more and more cyber investigations.
11: This now concludes the formal press conference. All cameras. Will that's, it for, we'll that's it for that's it for today. These are the people that. The these Please are the people. Your the press Please stay in the.
0: Okay, so these are the people that supposedly hurt China, hurt South Korea, and even though the Russians poisoned these people, they were trying to find out what poison was used. Totally legit. Sounds great. Sounds like, um, I don't know, Russia, Russia, Russia. (laughs) And like many of you said, uh, sounds like they were patting themselves on their back. Uh, why are tax dollars being spent on that? How did it affect us? Oh, that's right. It affected a pharmaceutical company, uh, in Pennsylvania. Right. It also affected the Heritage Valley health system. I see FedEx and TNT Express and a pharmacy. Sounds like drug running to me. And I thought that China was the one drug running. So I'm a little bit confused um, as to why the Russians were going after Heritage Valley health system uh, in the Western District of Pennsylvania. It's a very interesting thing. I mean, why would they go after that? Uh, they have, uh, you know... What is the big deal? Heritage Valley Health System hit in a worldwide cyber attack. That was reported 19 days ago. They were they fell victim of this cyber attack impacting a number of organizations around the globe. And we worked with our partners. What does that really mean? How were they hit along with a pharmaceutical company, FedEx and TNT? What does TNT, which is a, you know, courier service, right? Or whatever you want to call it, private mail service, FedEx, a pharmaceutical company and the Heritage Valley Center have in common? That's where the story really is. It's the story that they're not telling us that that's the most interesting. See, this is this is where you're at, you guys. We're at this point where we can parse out the BS and understand where the real story lies. So whatever they tell us, uh, we're not really listening. We're trying to read in between the lines of Russia, 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 Russia. Now let's go back to D and I Ratcliffe before we get to Tucker's great little segment that he did a couple days ago that I want to show. Yeah, I knew it again. That was not released
11: until a couple of weeks ago by you. How long did the FBI sit on that?
13: Well, Maria, so to to remind people what I declassified, it was authentic uh, Russian intelligence. Um, It was Russian intelligence that was briefed by the former CIA director, John Brennan, to President Obama and Vice President Biden, And then it was properly referred by the CIA to the FBI for investigation. And it all related to a Hillary Clinton plan to create uh, Trump-Russia collusion narrative that wasn't true. It wasn't just the FBI that knew that, though. It was the intelligence community and our law enforcement community that knew that. And I think everyone knows at this point that Hillary Clinton did create the Trump-Russia collusion narrative. She hired Christopher Steele um, uh, for that purpose, and it was used in in connection with the Steele dossier, was used uh, for FISA applications and all of that. I think what's different about when I declassified that information, it was the first time that members of Congress and the American people know now that our intelligence community and our law enforcement community were aware of that information before the crossfire hurricane counterintelligence investigation was ever opened. And those are the issues uh, that, you know, John Durham is looking at, and those are the issues that have resulted in what we know aspects of that counterintelligence investigation were illegal. They were criminal. We know that. We know what happened at the FISA court was illegal. And as a result, one person has already pled guilty and will go to jail. And hopefully as a result of John Durham's uh, investigation, we'll ultimately find out Who else was involved? What other crimes were committed? And, you know, that process will have to play out. But you're right, Maria. Um, Remember when when we started all of this and we were doing those interviews, everyone said this is a bunch of nonsense. There's no abuse at the FISA course. There was no uh, criminality there. And I told you, look, I've seen these underlying applications and I I know what I know. And what happened here was illegal and it was improper. And ultimately, uh, we got to the truth.
11: Well, I'm talking with the director of national intelligence this morning, John Ratcliffe, and you just heard President Trump and then Congressman Adam Schiff pushing the blame on the Kremlin, claiming Russia is responsible for the Hunter Biden email story. And I'm back with Director Ratcliffe. Director, how is it possible that an elected official Gets away with going on television and saying something as false as these emails. Hunter Biden's situation is not true. It's disinformation from the Kremlin. Even after four years, three years really, where uh, Adam Schiff went on lots of shows and said that President Trump colluded with Russia and that collusion was in plain sight. Why is there no accountability? He's an elected official. How does he come out on the news media and say all of these things if it's not true, director?
13: Well, unfortunately, as you know, Maria I was a member of Congress and, and members of Congress um, um, have the ability and have a platform to say things and to say those things not under oath and to make representations to the American people. Um, unfortunately, sometimes the things that they say and the things that they represent um, are not true. And in this case... Uh, in this case with regard to Hunter Biden's laptop being part of a Russian disinformation campaign and the intelligence community believing that or assessing that is simply not true. And, And the way we deal with that is to have officials like me come out and tell the American people because the only intelligence that Adam Schiff gets is the intelligence that we, the intelligence community give him. And we have given him no such intelligence. So to be clear about that. But to your earlier point, Maria, about, you know, how how can people trust what's going on is, you know, this is an administration. I realize it maybe hasn't happened as quickly as people want, but President Trump has put people in important positions to bring truth uh, to the American people about these issues. Yeah, I shouldn't have been the one four years later to have to bring this information to light. But the fact is, um, I've been able to do that. um, And I'll continue to do that. And I think that, you know, one of the things that the American people have to consider some of which has now been proven to be criminal. Those are the same people that want to return to power. Uh, They want to have the same opportunity to control the levers of power and to, again, mislead the American people. So I think that's something that uh, the American people should consider as they go in and, um, uh, you know, look at elections and and everything that is going on um, in this country. But again, I think it's important that we have the opportunity to bring truth to what Uh, what the American people should know, and I'm gonna continue to do that as long as I'm privileged to hold this position.
11: So we know that Hillary Clinton comes up with the idea to tie Trump to a Russia scandal, and then the intelligence agencies of our great country are weaponized and there is entrapment going on uh, where Trump campaign people were targeted unlawfully, like Carter Page, who was wiretapped for a year. No charges were ever lobbed against Carter Page. How come we haven't seen more accountability? I mean, people out there might say, well, Yeah. okay. Hillary Clinton came up with a story against her political opponent. And you say that the FBI uh, was complicit in all of this. But we don't see any indictments. We don't see any prosecutions. What's taking so long, director? Why can't the American people actually see justice in all of this?
13: Well, again, I think some of this is because some of the documents that that um, underscore the abuses of power are just coming to light. I mean, I've just declassified some of them. Um, you know, and th- that has been, um, you know, uh, a process that's been in, you know, that's been in the works. But, you know, with respect to the accountability, you know, I respect the fact that John Durham, you know, prosecutors shouldn't be looking at election calendars. Um, they should be, you know, uh, concerned with the fair administration of justice. And I'm sure that uh, John Durham is, is uh, trying to do that. And, you know, frankly, presents the best opportunity for there to be um, that accountability and that justice. There have been indictments, or there has been an indictment, and someone will go to prison for um, things that occurred at the FISA court that shouldn't have happened. My hope is and our best chance for there to be accountability and for there to be wait, people, wait, um, wait, um, wait, wait, uh, trying to do that, and you know, frankly, presents the best opportunity for there to be. Um, that accountability and that justice. There have been indictments or there has been an indictment and someone will go to prison for um, things that occurred at the FISA court.
0: There have been indictments. Well, there has been one indictment and people are going to prison for what happened at the FISA court. Huh. Uh, why isn't that news?
13: That shouldn't have happened. My hope is and our best chance for there to be accountability and for there to be people um, um, held responsible for things that shouldn't have happened in the intelligence community and in the law enforcement community against a political campaign, against a political uh, candidate by the other party, um, is to um, not put those folks back in power and for this to you know, be swept away.
11: Should there be a special counsel investigating this that stays regardless of who's in the White House next year?
13: Well, again, I think the most important thing, without getting into special counsels, is um, let's let the uh, the process of justice work its way through. There's someone that is approaching it carefully. It's resulted in indictment, an indictment. I think there'll be more indictments um, based
0: indictments. It's resulted in unindictment. I just tweeted out to DNI Ratcliffe. Hey, inquiring mind, want to know which? indictment who are we talking about at the FISA court right you remember the FISA court the one where Judge Collier decided that she's going to I don't know sign off on a FISA warrant even though she knew how she signed off on that FISA warrant because a couple weeks earlier she did what Oh, that's right. She knew that they were doing an over-collection of data. She knew. Didn't Admiral Rogers also say that he went to her and talked to her? Damn, that's SCOTUS gate. He's <laughs> going to be massive. Told you. Now let's listen to this short segment before we end today's show. Oh, wait, I'm muted. Facebook,
9: Google had a sinister agenda, a political agenda, also a social agenda, also an international agenda. There have been hints of that for a long time, for years, and for years we've been telling you about it. But within 24 hours, the last 24 hours, they bared their teeth simultaneously and made it obvious. The big tech companies, those monopolies, shut down a legitimate news story in the middle of a presidential campaign and made it impossible for many Americans to read the facts about the news. That's never happened before in this country. It is a moment that historians will look back on as a turning point. Sobh Amari is the op-ed editor at the New York Post, the newspaper that broke the story originally, and he has a particularly insightful view of what this means and where it might be going. We want to talk to him about it tonight. Thanks so much for coming on. So we're right in the middle of this, but I think you agree that this is different from what's come before. We've never seen anything like this happen before in this country. What does it tell us and what does it portend? Tucker, I think it just should suggest
7: a level of uh, blatantness that we haven't seen before. It began actually with Facebook. We've talked a lot about Twitter, but it began with Facebook and specifically a Facebook communication staffer named Andy Stone saying that this story deserves to be fact-checked. And in the meanwhile, Facebook is going to reduce its circulation online. And what was fascinating, disturbing, alarming about it is that Andy Stone, before he joined Facebook, was a staffer for Senator Barbara Boxer, Democrat of California, and for the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. And so the fact that they allowed him to go forward and say that we're reducing circulation on a story before there were any disputes about it, and there's still, as you showed earlier, there isn't really any disputes about the underlying facts, but he felt courageous enough or bold enough to just say, as a former Democratic staffer who now has his hand over the levers of the internet, essentially, of where free speech lives or dies is on these platforms, I'm going to reduce circulation of this story. This is different than before,
9: and it's truly chilling and sinister. Where are the journalists in this? Where are the guardians of the First Amendment, the people who make their living by the first point in the Bill of Rights, the freedom of the press? They're not saying anything. I mean, just to be clear, the big tech companies control the overwhelming majority of American media, directly or indirectly. And yet journalists are not speaking up against censorship. Why? I mean, I think there's
7: this culture of groupthink where um, it really feels like all the elements of the establishment.
0: Okay, it's not groupthink. First Amendment is freedom of speech, freedom of press. Uh, uh, of press. Well, is our press, well, <laughs> what they call press, which is the mainstream media, really free? No, they're not. They're owned by interests. Their only interest is those that fund their lavish lifestyles and keep them going. So they're not free. So First Amendment doesn't really apply to them because they're not free press. First Amendment and free press fall on the laps of us, we, the people, because we are actually the free press in the news now.
7: ...have lined up. You have big yeah. tech, you have Hollywood, you have media... Um, and they're all so bought into a, a kind of narrative where if a story is put forward, including a story which, you know, you've seen some of the emails and you know, we've published the emails, it's so much more solidly sourced than so many of the mountain of stories of anti-Trump stories that appeared in left of center media that were all based on hearsay. You would think journalists would say, let's dig into this. But immediately it becomes a, 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 an effort to either shut it down or to attack the source and not to investigate the underlying fact of uh, massive potential uh, graft and corruption.
0: Oh, kind of sounds like Shadowgate, right? Don't look at the stuff that they're talking about. Look at the source and try to parse them apart and ruin them and make up some stories so that you could say, oh, it's trash, right? (laughs) Uh, but, you know, now the news, even Waypo put out a thing. Oh, using uh, military tools of uh, psychological operations against the people. Uh, Waypo, hello, where have you been? <laughs> this has been going on for decades. And Shadowgate broke it, but you didn't even touch that. And all they do is pick on McChrystal, who went on the record shamelessly saying, yeah, I'm totally working for them. And I'm totally doing this. And I totally did that in Alabama. And I'm totally doing it again. Low- But where is General Jones? Where is the Atlantic Council? Where is the CFR? Where is the Brookings Institute? Continuing to fund, continuing to launder, continuing the IIA. And so here we are. They're asking those questions. Why are we looking at the facts rather than just attacking the source?
7: So the most chilling aspect was seeing a, a journalist like Jake Sherman. Again, you mentioned him earlier. Uh, sort of you know he had won the victory over himself to quote george orwell he posted this long apology for having posted our story and raised some questions about it that's the chilling effect in this is that if you going forward if you uh, publish stories that go against the narrative you will have to kind of publicly confess and apologize what is and, and you're talking about a, a story in the oldest continuously published newspaper in this country founded by alexander hamilton it's not some shady website And you saw the story. It was deeply reported. This is shameful uh, in terms of my fellow reporters and editors.
9: It's one of the biggest circulation newspapers in this country. It's not a small thing. Uh, How can someone like Jake Sherman apologizing for asking a question, for forwarding a news story, how can someone like that continue to work in journalism? How can this go on? Well, I
7: think, look, uh, what we can do is continue to just present our reporting. We've been extremely transparent about our sourcing, about the provenance from the beginning of the story much more so than say uh, I don't know, that story about suborning perjury uh, sure. the president suborning perjury that appeared in BuzzFeed, that was immediately debunked by the Mueller team itself is it said that that's not true Is that story been censored? Was it, was it banned by Facebook? Was it reduced in circulation by Twitter? Yeah. No you can still post it and it wasn't then so the hypocrisy is glaring, all we can do is continue to Get the word out, and hopefully more Americans can can hear it.
9: Look, I, I, I get that a lot of these people don't like Trump. Fine. We've got an election in three weeks. But don't destroy our country. Don't destroy centuries-old traditions that underpin everything good that we have. And freedom of speech and of thought, expression, conscience, that's what we have. That's, what's, that's what makes this country different and better. And they're wrecking it because they don't like Trump. I, I can't even.
7: Yeah. And I, I worry about the international ramifications. What if there's yeah, an election in, right. in, say, Spain or Poland where the populist party is unpopular with the establishment? How will our malign Internet forces affect elections and democracies elsewhere in the
9: developed world? We're going to have to live with the consequences of this poison long after Trump is gone. It's, it's very upsetting. Salva Mori, thank you so much. Great to see you. Thanks for having
0: me. There's one thing we can do is is just eradicate the lying media. That is exactly what we need to do. We have the power. We have that power. We do not need them. We have the same access to information even better, even better, because we're motivated by one thing, and that is the liberation of the people. That is going back to our roots. We, the people, are supposed to be free And we believe in that. And there is no better source of fuel and power to get the truth out. Transparency is key. We are not in a nation of people that are governed. We are a nation of people that govern. And with that, I'm going to bid you goodbye and leave you with this nice little song of lies, lies, lies that we hear, but 15 days a lot can happen in 15 seconds. Ergo, tons can happen within 15 days.
11: If I could turn the page. And time
3: that I'd rearrange just to fail to close my, close my, close my eyes.
11: But I couldn't find a way, so I settled
1: for one day to believe.